As you know, I am your host, Neil Matthews. Thank you so much for joining me today. Super excited about my guest today. And let me tell you why. So here is a little bit of a story for you. So a couple months back, a friend of mine, you guys know him well, Sean McCoy, uh, used to host this amazing show called Come to the Table. He tells me, he's like, listen, bro, you got to get on LinkedIn. And I'm like, whatever. I don't need one more social media to try to track down and follow. He's like, just, just make a profile. I'm like, fine. So I do this. I take the advice of my friend, Sean McCoy, and I make this LinkedIn profile. And, and I do this and, you know, lo and behold, somebody from LinkedIn reaches out. And it's this amazing lady named Karen. And Karen and I start kind of corresponding. We send some guests back and forth and yada, yada, yada. And she goes, well, hey, Neil, I have this amazing guest for you. I might be a little biased, but it's my husband. And I was like, oh, well, that's fun. I, I said, well, what's the story? And she said, I'm going to let you discover that about him, what he's all about. And I'm like, send him my way. So help me welcome him. I like this, this tagline, by the way, or this, this announcement. CEO. Now it's not the CEO you may think. It's chief evangelism officer. He's going to tell us more about that. Help me welcome in my new friend, Tom. Tom, how are you today? Neil, I am thrilled to be here. Well, we got to say you're from the mitten too. So just to help geographically, when I say you're from the mitten what should that mean to folks i was going to say that that means i'm from kalamazoo michigan the mitten is the state of michigan and kalamazoo really exists it's halfway between detroit and chicago and i always say it proves that you can work from anywhere today and you know if i can do podcast interviews from kalamazoo you can do them from wherever you are but help me with this tom if we if we were to gonna walk in your shoes and we were gonna know what you're about, you gotta help us with this. What size shoes do you wear? I wear a size 10. Okay, and is there a style or brand that you like maybe more than another? That really changes, right? In Michigan, there's two things. I'm either wearing sandals or I'm wearing boots. Right. And it depends how much snow is on the ground. And it's it's one or the other. I don't mind the cold, but I don't want my feet getting all cold and wet. So during the winter, I've always got, you know, the L.L. Bean boots on that, that keep your feet dry. And then in the summer, it's always just any kind of pair of sandals. I realize what it means to wash somebody's feet after you've been out. You know, we live on six and a half acres. We got two miniature donkeys. I can only imagine what it looks like after you're walking along the middle east and what your feet are like they're nasty i gotta wash them off before i come in the house that's so good yeah i think people forget sometimes the act of washing people's feet i think that's a custom we should go back to really you're maybe washing someone's shoes summertime sandal is there is there a style of sandal or is it just like the old navy like four dollar sandals I, I don't know help us it's a, whatever one covers my toes because i don't want to stub my toe whichever one goes on and off easiest with the velcro i I really don't care, right? And I, I usually have a backup pair. My bride, she uh, is amazing, right? There's been years before where all of a sudden about August, I have a, a blowout, right? It, something tears on them and they don't have any of those. You know, there's nothing locally anymore. So she every year will like buy me a new pair and has it hidden away. But it's like, well, I like the pair I have right now. They're broken in. They feel good. They're filthy. They're disgusting, but they work. That's fun stuff. What are the donkeys names? Frodo and Miracle. The 
they were originally Frodo and Sam after Lord of the Rings. Sam passed away about two years ago. So she was uh, replaced by Miracle and somebody said, well, why don't you change her name? It's like, you don't change somebody's name. If that's if that's what they're used to, that's what they stick with. They're just like great big dogs that follow you around. They're just lovable animals. The world slows down when you just go out there and sit down and they put their heads on your shoulder. We call it a donkey hug or, you know, uh, the world slows down when you just go out there and comb them for a while. So Tom, getting into you and, and what you're about, what is that one thing we've been talking about for the last, the last couple of months and we're almost towards the end. We really are. We, I can see the finish line. It, it's going to be here before I know it. But before we get to that finish line, I am asking still this proverbial question, that, that aglid, that thing that has kept us from unraveling, that thing that if it wasn't in our life, maybe life would have been frayed or, you know, kind of just in disarray. Help us with that. What is your aglet? To me, aglet is conversations. I don't know if you can put an aglet on and off. I know it doesn't work that way, but when my life starts to get frayed and disarrayed, it's usually because I'm spending too much time in my own head and not getting the wisdom from other people. Solitary confinement in most countries is cruel and unusual punishment. I think so often as people today, entrepreneurs, business owners, you know, heck, everything's virtual, right? So it's very easy to just stick your head down and start doing the work. And when I do that, I, I get frayed. I start pulling out my hair and it's not until you sit down and, and have a conversation with somebody that it puts things back in line. So to me, when, whenever I get starting to feel frayed, it's like, it's, it's time for a good conversation with somebody that I trust. You mentioned that, that person you trust, that valuable conversation. For you, if there was some way, I don't know, weird as it may sound, if you weren't able to have those type of conversations, those kind of meaningful conversations, and you mentioned, you know, being in that solitary confinement, what would that look like? Would it look like that solitary confinement or would it look like something else for you? I was going to say, if I couldn't have those, I think I would probably fall back to reading and trying to learn from people through that that medium there. To me, the the version of hell to me would be total isolation with myself, with my own thoughts, solitary confinement in a in prison or something like that. Put me in a dark place where no human interaction, no ideas, nothing to think about, but you know, the that circular thought that keeps going through my mind, I think that would drive me crazy. And knowing that there's no way to get out of that. Whereas I, I find that if I can get out of my head and start to have a conversation with somebody, or even the backup would be to to read something by somebody else. But I'd much, much rather have the conversation. I think that's important because I know during COVID, I, I don't know if it's if we're allowed to talk about COVID anymore. I don't know. I'm afraid if we talk about it still, like it might come back again and we'll all be shut down again. You know, I don't know how that works. But for me, I know during COVID, it was really hard to connect with people. But then I started connecting with people virtually. And I was like, okay, it's kind of like the same thing. Like we're just virtual. We're just not face to face. But for you, how important are conversations and, and why should I as an individual or why should you as an individual value conversation so much? There's a difference between connecting and talking and actually having a conversation. I think often I'll, I'll find myself talking, but not having a conversation. To me, conversation is a flow of ideas back and forth. Two wonderful grandchildren, right? My wife gets 
mad if I call them great grandchildren. They are some of the smartest people I know. And it's because they don't have these predisposed ideas. They haven't been alive so long that they know it all. And they're forever asking questions. And I find the more I'm like that, the more I learn, the more I, I realize that I'm like other people and that we're connected. If I'm just, if I'm listening to respond, that's not a conversation. If I'm listening because I already know the answer, that's not a conversation. I, I want to be listening. Tell me more about that. Or what do you mean about that? Or I've never thought about it that way. Could you explain it to me. And to me, that's, that's in intellectually in engaging also. That's what causes me to grow. And I look at it as if I'm not growing, I'm dying. But I think so many times I'm put around people that are introverted and I don't know why, because it drives me crazy because I'm not introverted. And so for me, maybe it's because I need to understand what it's like to be introverted. I don't know if that makes sense, but mm -hmm. I have a lot of very good friends that are very introverted. And the idea of having this deep theological maybe or deep conversation, it, it's really hard sometimes because because it's like pulling teeth out of a badger or maybe Wolverine in your case. <laughs> we'll make it a Wolverine because you are in Michigan. It's, it's really difficult to have that conversation with somebody to draw out from them. Do you find it's easier though, virtually and digitally because they're in a comfortable yes. position, right? Yes. They're, they're so. already, yes. you know, in their office, wherever they are. It's not like you're going to a, a party where there's a lot of distractions in there. And what I found is that, yeah, sometimes it, you have to draw it out. You have to keep asking those questions. I find that sometimes the people that are the introverts are the ones that are the deeper thinkers that they have ideas behind it. You know, going back to, to my grandson, what is it you're supposed to ask why, what is it, six times, seven times? He did much more than that. He'd continue. And I remember thinking sometimes I could just blow him off and say, just because. But if I keep answering the question, I'm going to learn something and he's going to learn something. And I think sometimes with introverts, because I would say I'm a functional, functional introvert. Karen, my bride is a lot more introverted than I am. But once you get in a deep conversation, they're willing to go there, that they won't just jump in there. And I, th I find that introverts have deeper conversations. Sometimes extroverts can stay just on that surface level. And, you know, you don't learn anything. It's just sort of the, the BS of just, just repeating catchphrases and, and, and other talking points. Well, yeah, I, I think you're right on that. I really do. And I think for me, sometimes it is easier to have a virtual conversation too, because I know most likely I'm never going to see him again, especially in podcasting. You know, I've been accused at times I've asked really hard questions and it's like, well, part of it is because I want to know, because if I'm thinking that question, I'm sure undoubtedly somebody else has been thinking that question while they're listening. And so I'll ask it. And so I've had some guests like push on that. And I was like, why did you ask me that? I was like, I don't know. I just felt like someone was telling me to ask you that. Maybe that listener that's in my ear. I don't know. That's a conversation. There's interviews and there's conversations. So an interview is just, you got five questions you ask everybody. I think that's that's boring. But a conversation is to ask follow-up questions and, and ask back and forth. Do you find it the, sa the same way? What's your experience been on that? And I think audio can be less judgmental. And this, this isn't my idea. It came from a book called The Leadership Literacies, The New Leadership Literacies by the futurist out of Stanford called Joe Hansen. I remember listening to his book and he said, the future is vivid audio. And I'm listening to the book and I, I had to rewind a couple of times. And I'm like, no, he must mean video. And as I rewound it and it's like, no, 
That's what he said. And then he explained it. And he says, often video can be, we discriminate. You don't look like me. You're too young. You're too old. When you start to listen to audio, you're actually listening for the content. You're listening for the ideas. You're listening to learn, not to judge. And I I can think of a time on this. My niece was studying for her real estate exam. And she reached out to me and she's like, Uncle Tom, have you ever heard of Zig Ziglar? I was like, yeah, honey. And she's like, oh, I thought you would love him. And she was listening to his his audios and she loved it. They were probably recorded before she was born. And at this point, Zig had probably been dead five years. If she would have been actually watching him, she would have been saying, oh, he's too old. Or look at the look at the width of his lapels. But instead, she was just listening to that content and learning, not judging by what she saw. So I, th- I think there's there's a benefit or something magical about audio. And it's also more of a personal conversation because you don't have all that noise and all that background distracting you. Well, and I and I love that a lot. First off, I love Zig Ziglar. I actually got to see him in Eugene, Oregon. I can't even tell you when, but it, it's been a number of years. I didn't have any idea who he was. No idea. And I went to the sales conference and, you know, the company paid for it and everything. It was, it was awesome and it was great. And I just remember walking away thinking, what did I just experience? So just wanted to share that Zig story because he is amazing. People should probably check him out if they're interested in that young or old. To your point, I think so many times in video, we do immediately, I know I do. I can't say we, but I know I do. I immediately will start judging someone. I'll start judging their clothing. I'll start judging the way they're saying their words or the way their glasses are, whatever it may be. I think it's kind of human nature in some respects. But with audio, it can almost trick you because you hear them and you think, oh, and then when you finally see them, you're like, oh, that's what they sounded like. Oh, okay. But I wanted to ask you about this, this quote that I found. It said, the right word at the right time will unlock the door of treasures. The wrong one will close it forever. What are your thoughts on that? I don't know if it'll close it forever. I, I I don't like to think in absolutes from that standpoint. The right word at the right time. I, I look at that as more putting a seed at the right soil at the right time that it will bear fruit. I sure hope that the wrong word at the wrong time won't lock a door forever. I think there's forgiveness. I think there's different people at different hearts and different times. Man, I, I would hope that I have never said something that that closed somebody's heart for that. So yeah, I, I'm hopeful on the one and I'm fearful on the other that, uh, that I wouldn't have closed somebody's heart. Well, again, I think so many times as, as podcasters and you being in the space that you're in of helping podcasters and helping folks get their, I call it an amplifying their message, technical term of what you can do to audio. You can amplify it and kind of helps bring it out a little, little louder, a little stronger. I think so many times I know me, I, I'm so afraid that I'm locking someone's message down, that I'm stopping someone's message down. Have you yourself ever run into that fear or is that just irrational on my part? I know you're not a doctor per se, but, but maybe help me understand <laughs> that. <laughs> Well, I guess I'm as irrational as you are. And on on that standpoint, hey, I'm 56 years old. And some of the times the, the words I use, the thoughts I have may not be consistent today. And I could say something that could be taken as hurtful or insulting. I'll give you an example. One time, my daughters, my two youngest daughters are, are the, the greatest people in my life, right? They're honest with me. And I remember calling somebody, referred to someone as being Oriental. And they're like, dad, it's not Oriental. They're Asian. Rugs are Oriental. People are Asian. I didn't mean anything by that. I would feel awful if somebody felt insulted by that, by the word I used on that. Hope people will always take the spirit of what's being said 
and not just the words in there too. I think sometimes people won't remember what you said, they'll remember how you made them feel. So I think if you if you start with love and respect, that'll go a lot further in there. Forgiveness, not judgment. If you don't want to be judged, don't judge yourself. I've always said that the scariest thing I've ever read in the Bible is, you know, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. I sure hope the good Lord isn't as much of a dick to me as I have been to other people in judging them. So I think from that standpoint, starting with love and putting the words out there, not everybody will resonate with it. You know, when we work with clients and stuff like that, our mission is to personally introduce inspiring thought leaders to millions of people they could serve for the betterment of all. I'm not interested in helping promote someone that's anti-anything. I want them to be pro things and to be trying to make the world a better place. Why is that so important for you? Make the world a better place. Is it really hard to walk out and really follow? I think it's hard to follow. Yeah. If if it was easy to do, the world would be a better place because we'd all be doing it. I think we all have to strive for that. Remember somebody saying one time, when you get to heaven, it'll look a lot like what you've had here on earth. And when you get to hell, it'll look a lot like what you've done here on earth. So from that standpoint, so uh, what are we trying to do? Are we trying trying to make heaven on earth or hell on earth here. Looking and saying, what's my intention? What am I trying to do? Not I'm, I'm perfect all the time. At least that's what I'm trying to do. Conversations often are, are powerful things. They're amazing ways to get to know someone. For you, looking back over the span of history, if there's that one conversation, maybe maybe it is that Zig Ziglar, but who would that conversation you'd love to have with? Mm-hmm. I'd have to say to go back to have a conversation with my dad. My dad died when he was... 62. And even though I had a couple of years with him as he was battling cancer, I wish we would have had more deep conversations there. At that point in my life, I still think I had pride. Okay. Even more pride than I have now. I didn't want to say that I didn't know to ask more questions. And I think often it's that ego that gets in the way of asking questions and saying, I don't know. The conversation I'd like to have right now, the dinner I'd have with anybody living or dead would be with my dad. Is there a lesson or maybe a takeaway from his life that you've kind of held on to today that maybe you're implementing or maybe you'd you'd like to implement better? I think one of the conversations that I had with him early on when I was a parent, he, I I was struggling as a first time father for whatever reason, the baby didn't come with a manual. And I remember talking to my dad and saying, man, I wish I was as smart as you. And he just laughed. And he says, we're all making it up as we go. And to realize that, that he was making it up, we were making it up and to ask questions. I think the another pivotal conversation I had was during the summers uh, when I was in college, I worked at Los Alamos National Lab. It's the, you know, where they, the Manhattan Project, where they started the nuclear bombs. At that time, there were more PhDs per square acre in Los Alamos than any other place in the world. And it was a weird place because it's way up in the mountain. And often you couldn't tell who was the PhD that was running the place and who was the janitor that was fixing the door. And somebody pointed out to me, they said, you can always tell the difference because the smartest guy is going to be asking the most questions. The person that has doing the janitorial stuff, he's got it all figured out, but it would be the weirdest thing. You'd be walking down the hallway as a young college student and you'd have somebody pull you in and they'd start explaining something to you and asking you. And 
You had no idea who they were, but they wanted to ask your questions. Well, how do you see this? How would you do that? And it was really interesting that uh, that the smarter they were, the more questions they were asking. And because it caused me to think and it caused them to think. And I've always I've always taken that that back. You know, if somebody's not asking a, a question, it's because they either know it all or they think they know it all. And I've yet to meet a person that knows it all. Is there ever a bad question in your mind? Um, yes, the one that isn't asked. And I would say two. The first one is the one that's not asked. The stupid question is the one that's not asked. The other one is where it's not a question, it's a judgment. When you ask somebody, you know, what the heck were you thinking? That is not, that is not a question. That is a judgment on that. And so I think questions that shut people down and shut down the discussion aren't good. Help me understand. Help me understand why you think this was a good decision. And I can think back at the the Naval Academy. We had a, the Commandant of Midshipmen, Leon A. Edney. At that point, he had more carrier landings than anyone in the Navy at that time. This guy was a legend. And we'd walk in, and if you got in trouble, there was stacks and stacks of manuals. The midshipman manual is probably six inches thick with all the rules and the regulations. If you ever cited anything in there on why you did something, he would go ballistic. He didn't want to talk with a lawyer. He wanted to talk with a leader and an officer. So his his question would always be the same. Why did you think this was a good idea? You show up late for getting back after Liberty and you get written up. You got to go down to see the commandant. He'd only ask you one question. Why was this a good idea? And if you said, well, there was a family that broke down on the side of the road. There was a mother and a couple of kids and I stopped to help him change the tire. And because of that, I was 15 minutes late. Now, granted, we were under an honor code too. So nobody ever lied about things like that. He'd look at you and say, yep, I agree with you. I think that was the right call. If you came back and said, well, uh, you know, it was um, it was closing time at the bar and they had a two for one special and that's why I'm late. Then you'd have to deal with the consequences of that, too. But you'd say, no, nope, that wasn't a good decision. He'd never he'd never judge you by the letter of the law. He would judge you by the intent of the law. So I think those kind of questions that he asked were, were good ones. You obviously have a very vast background, you know, from Los Alamos to the Naval Academy to now, you know, with the interview valet and, and the things that you've done, the conversations you've had, is there one that stands out for you that you walk away feeling like maybe you've changed or maybe feeling like, you know, I'm going to remember that forever. Has there been that kind of searing moment for you? There's been multiple ones and at different points in my life. When you talked about the words that can either close a door or open a door or open an idea, I think different ones have come at the right time. And I, I can't think of any word that has closed a door, but I can think of different ones, different points in my life when I needed them. Leadership, the Naval Academy is basically a leadership academy. They teach it to you, but I learned I learned more from leadership being on a ship and the, the captain captain's probably up 20 hours a day. And I can remember asking him one time, why are you always positive and why are you always upbeat? And he's like, cause someday I'm going to look back on this and this will be the greatest time in my life. And I don't want to have missed a, a point in that. It was just a question. And I've always looked at that and you know, when I, not when I was a young parent, someday I'm going to be looking at back at this and this night up with the child is going to be the greatest point in my life or building this business. You know, that has been so be a great conversation. I can think of another conversation pivotal in my life. I worked at the Kalamazoo gospel mission, making breakfast in 
in the morning. Here I am, probably 40 years old, and there was a young gentleman there that was at the gospel mission because the judge told him, you're either going to jail or you can just spend some time at the gospel mission. Here I am, I'm the one that's volunteering. He's the one that was there. And I never liked to give out the cereal at breakfast when it was cereal in the morning, because the way it worked was when the kids came through, they could pick whatever they wanted. You know, Neil, they, they weren't there because of their their choices. The adult population came through. It was whatever the next cereal was, is the one you got. And I never wanted to be there because people would be mad. If all of a sudden I gave you uh, Fruit Loops, you'd say, thank you. If you came through and I gave you, you know, shredded wheat, the people were downright mean. I would intentionally not take the line for that and let this young 18 year old kid. And I can remember people would curse him. They'd be mad at him and he would always give them the same response. I hope this is the worst part of your day. I hope your day gets better after this. And I can remember talking to him afterwards. I'm like, how does that not bother you? And he just looked at me at 18 years old. And he says, I'm not here serving them. I'm serving God. And I'm not doing it for their, for their thanks. And then the other thing he would always say is these people aren't mad at me. They're mad at themselves. They're mad at life. That, I mean, that was life-changing to me to realize that now when I deal with people and they're mad, chances are they're not mad at me. There's something else in their life. Their whole world revolves around me. No, they're mad at something else. To give that back to them would not be, would not be just. Hurt people, hurt people. Happy, healthy people do not hurt people. There's so many of those, so many of those discussions that weren't planned that just came up that I can point back to and said, those have changed my life. I think that's so powerful too, because again, it's that perspective shift. What I try to do, at least for me, and, and maybe you can echo this if it's in your heart too, is I try my very best to remember everyone has value and everyone's story likewise has value. Sometimes we put value on someone's stories, like somehow somebody famous is more valuable in their story and you as far as I know, you're not famous, right? Not, not famous and hopefully not infamous. <laughs> right, that too. How do I not fall into that trap? How do others not fall into that trap of, yes, that person has value. Maybe this person has more value because of whatever. Fill in that blank. I would stay away from the judgment on that. Maybe the story's not for me. Maybe I'm supposed to take that story and repeat it. I can't tell you the number of times that I thought, I don't want to go to church this morning. I'm tired. There's something else going on there. I go there. I hear a message. I hear a word. And it's like, doesn't relate to me. But then sometime in that week, something comes up and somebody else needs that. I have that because I was there and I heard it. That story wasn't for me. I was supposed to share that with someone. I can remember one time my daughter, I, I come back from a meeting and she was going through a, a hard time and she said something and I didn't know what to say, but I repeated something that I had heard at this meeting. She gave me this great big hug and she's like, daddy, you always know the right thing to say at the right time. And I'm like, no, I just hang around with some smart people and try to listen to what they say and remember it. So I would say with that, is it a more powerful story? I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's the story you need to hear. Maybe it's the story you need to share being open to it. Not just, not just judging it. I think that's profound again. The not judging it is, is I think, the key to most of that. So, Tom, I want to give you an opportunity right now. Tell me, what is Interview Valet? Why should someone get excited about it? It's what we're talking about here. Conversation. Conversations can change the world. And I think today people's biggest problem is obscurity. Especially if you're in business, your biggest problem is your ideal customers don't know you exist. This idea of breaking through the noise, I, honestly, I think that is 
laughable, right? We're all just adding to the noise. Nobody's getting hurt. I think it's best to get introduced by somebody your clients already know, like, and trust to get into the conversation they're listening to. And really that's what we do at Interview Valet. We help inspiring thought leaders get introduced to millions of people they could serve for the betterment of all. We work with coaches, consultants, nonfiction authors, brands to get them out there to talk to their ideal customers. We let them be the guest and we take care of all the rest. It's not magic. It's not a trick. It's really just a system that we've done over the last eight years to help people find those audiences, to prepare them for them, and really to turn other people's listeners into their audience and their customers. And I would say my microphone makes me sound good. My team makes me look good. We've got 35 people in North America and Europe, about half of them are military spouses. Uh, So I was Tell people if we could be of any service to you, you know, please reach out to us. Before I let you go, though, there's two things I want to share with you. First thing is another quote, because I just think this was so profound. I, I just had to share it and I had to get your thoughts on it. It says, I alone cannot change the world. Kind of kind of profound in that respect, right? I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a stone across the water to create many ripples. And the ripples from that, uh, I think of that, that story about the starfish on the beach. You can't save them all. No, I can't save them all, but I can save one. It's my favorite story, by the way. Yeah, it's, it's like I'll make the difference in one person's life. Yeah, that's my favorite story. It's funny you would quote that. How can people connect with you? Let's find that out. Yeah, I was going to say, let's make this easy. Just go to interviewvalet.com forward slash shoe. Easy to remember. I'll put a copy of my book up there, Podcast Guest Profits, How to Grow Your Business with a Targeted Interview Strategy. If you want to find out anything about Interview Valet, that's all there and all my social media there. So you don't have to figure out which time Schwab in Kalamazoo, Michigan, I am now. So just go to interviewvalet.com forward slash shoe. Oh, you look at that. You use the word shoe. How fun <laughs> is that? That's fun stuff. The end of our show called Senseless. Now, we didn't really talk Michigan, Michigan State. Is there any other colleges in Michigan I'm not aware of? Central Michigan? I guess they're the Lumberjacks or Chippewa or something. I don't even know. I was going to say, we got Western Michigan, Eastern Michigan, Central Michigan, Northern Michigan. I always say, I don't have a dog in the fight here. My two favorite teams, a Navy and who's ever playing Notre Dame. (laughs) Navy and who's ever playing Notre Dame. I like it. Well, that's fun. This is my North Carolina cup. It's a little broken these days. uh, So, you know, broken vessel quite literally here. So I'm going to roll on your behalf. We just ask you these five random questions and then six is our wild card. So five is that you got a number five and it's this question as we wrap up today. And that's this something you taste that you always seem to get a reaction to jalapenos and ghost peppers, right? There you go. I, I love them. I always get a reaction and I always swear to my bride, never let me order this again. Never let me order this again. Give it a few months and uh, there I am again. You know, um, sometimes like uh, with God, I, uh, I my prayer is speak loudly and repeat yourself to your slow children. Someday I'll learn and someday uh, I hope he gives me enough time on this earth so I can learn the lessons because when I taste jalapenos, it gets a reaction, but I don't always learn. I think that could be true about our conversation is, is that sometimes times we hear things and we think, man, I'm going to remember that. I'm going to remember that. And then we walk away and we're like, nah, I don't remember that. Forgot that. And then something will trigger that. And they're like, oh man, there it is again. I'm going to remember. Nah, I forgot. 
you know? So that's good stuff. Well, Tom, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Really appreciate you being on. I appreciate you, Neil. All right, guys and gals, kids and campers alike. That is our show today. Just wanted to remind you of this before we get out of here, and that's this. What is the power of a conversation for you? What does that look like? How's that going to go down for you? When all things are done and all things are over with, maybe it's your life. And I know that seems a little weird to go so fast into immortality, but I want you to think about this just for a quick second. The power of a conversation. For me, when I think about these conversations that I've been having the last three years, almost four years, creeping up on four years, I've had some amazing conversations. I've gotten to talk to a lot of people from all over the world, all over the United States, and there's still some conversations yet to be had. So this week, this is your challenge. What conversation do you need to have? Who's that one person on your list? When I started the show, I have a running list, by the way. I still have it. Some of the people have been crossed off. But maybe for you in this moment, here it is. Maybe today's the day you have that conversation with that someone that you've been wanting to have. And don't let anything stand in the way of that. Just a thought. And remember this before we let you go. Remember, do not ever forget. Remember, when you walk in other people's shoes, you really do get a different perspective on life. Thank you so much for listening. And stay tuned till next week when we walk in other people's shoes.